This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hi, LSPod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it, oh, deflection, and it's a goal! Comes to Mitchell, it's another goal! Incredible hobble! New Year, everyone. After the Northampton Town victory last week, we asked for listener contributions, as we always do. Throughout the season, bounce-back victories have been met with a fair dose of optimism. Let's build from here. Trust the process. In Scott we trust. In Clem we trust. And that was one in the eye for the haters, Terry or whoever. However, despite the victory, there wasn't any of that in the contributions this time. Instead, it was a whole bunch of we'll see. And they were right, as Town once again were incapable of building on a win. Here to discuss is Terry. Happy ruddy new year, Terry. Oh, Rich. I I mean, look, there is something sort of quite um, black humour about the way that I like to spend my New Year's days watching this club. Um, I remember very vividly a, a, a trip to Barnet on New Year's Day four or five years ago, which was absolutely freezing and dreadful and what I tend to do on these New Year's Day trips that are close to me is I go hungover and talk to absolutely no one and make zero noise I was on I was on voice rest but even but yesterday it pushed me to the point where even I had to politely inform Mr Lindsay that it might be time for him to reconsider his occupation it wasn't a good one was it and I think what 
I'm keen to do is I'm really going with what the listeners are saying more than, you know, what we say, because it's always a difficult episode to try and discuss because previously we would be told, well, we're in the playoffs. So wind your neck in. But as I said there in the intro, there's none of that. There was none of that after Northampton. There was no like of the usual optimism that we get. And well, (laughs) the contributions after the Colchester game were amongst some of the worst I've ever read in in concerns and and negativity towards how it's going, despite that lofty position. Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting one this week. And, and if you look back, if you think back to when we spoke after the Northampton game, you know, and this flip flop of results can that can make can make a lot of people look very foolish. Um, so I'm going to be careful to not sort of contradict myself. 72 hours after last talking to you. Um, I think we've, I think as a, as a, as a group, we've been pretty sort of consistent in, in where we stand on all of this. One of these two games was going to set the tone for the next six, eight weeks, right? It was going to set the tone going into this two week break. It was going to set the tone for Charlie Austin's return. And it was going to set the tone for the January transfer window. And, off the back of Northampton, we had such a huge opportunity to 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 come into that 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 thirteen day break and the window and Charlie Austin and yada 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 with some genuine enthusiasm and optimism. Okay, we haven't been great the last the last six weeks, but back to back decent results away from home. When you add on to that, when you add on the Barrow victory, um, which by the way, looking at their form, is getting less impressive by the week. Um, you know, you could start seeing a path forward, but unfortunately, it, it, you know, a lot of the contribute the the listener contributions on on Thursday said that Northampton was going to be the outlier, and I really, really didn't want to believe that it was. But and and I, I, I I'm trying to stay clear of hyperbole. That Colchester team yesterday that we lost to is the poorest team I've seen since Scunthorpe last year. And we lost to them. And not only did we lose to them, we deserved to lose to them. They, we, they, we thoroughly, absolutely deserve to lose that game of football. It is. It, it was the worst performance I can remember in a very, very, very long time. And when you're on a run of two wins from nine in the bottom tier of professional football in this country, as a club of our standing and, and, and where we think we should be, and you can't, and it culminates in that performance, I don't see a way for... I don't see how, how things can't change after that. Yeah. There was there was a little bit of rotation going into this game, bringing goal, usual back four at the moment of Hutton-Lavinia, Blake Tracy and McDonald in the middle, midfield with Reed, Gladwin, Williams, Shaden Iandolo, and Jeff Cott up top. Um, so there were a couple dipping out of the eleven and they took their place on the bench. Was that was that unchanged actually? Oh no, there was one change, wasn't there? It was a Reed in for Cott. Reed came in, that's right. Yeah. We're playing the third from bottom team in the division. That that's perfectly capable. Of, of doing stuff. And something that I've been guilty of this season, I would say, is the opening 30. I think it's safe to say that Colchester must have sent 
Swindon a note saying, we're not going to do anything for the opening stages. In fact, we're even going to ask our fans to make no noise. And you'll have those minutes to blitz us and we'll go from there. And we comprehensively did not get that memo. Yeah, if they sent the memo, we certainly didn't get it, did we? I mean, it, it, it was... It's so frustrating. Just just look, listening back to as you when you read that team out, like how how are we so much less than the sum of its parts? Um, it, it it was such a drab and dull affair. It's very hard to go to 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 Colchester away and not to be a dull and drab affair. <laughs> but it even but this was even duller and drabber than 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 most of my previous trips there. Uh, it was it was very peculiar. I. You look at that eleven, and then you know we commented before the game like you can't argue with that eleven. The bench looks strong, lots of options. You know, in contrast to last year, and then and then we just we just go and we just go and turn in that display of of complete and utter lack of clear idea or identity. I mean, there, there's no identity to this side whatsoever. And and, and the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, the, the opening sort of exchanges. As you said, Colchester were basically like I think I said in the group. This is the worst home performance I've ever seen in terms of in terms of intent, in terms of trying to win the game. Like they they they've they've somehow won a game one nil that they tried to draw nil nil. Um, it, it was it they they had no interest. They they sat in right from the word go. Um, but you know if if you were scouting if you were if you were playing us in the coming weeks wouldn't you do the same if you were you know you wouldn't try and come at us and take us on toe to toe would you you'd sit in trust the fact that we don't have the ability or the, or the uh, the coaching to break to to break anybody down and you and also we'll definitely give you two or three chances 100%. Yeah, I, I completely agree that it, it, they were playing like it was it was going to be, or well, they wanted it to be a nil-nil. I think the thing that I said that I've been sort of getting wrong for so long this season is getting mixed up with us being dominant in the in the first stages of the game versus actually it's just the opposition aren't doing anything and we're just playing the ball around. We're not actually doing anything Correct. and that is what... Yeah. That's what's happening, isn't it? It, it? It's this it's this common misconception of playing well versus dominating. And like it, it's very easy to dominate the ball if the other side don't want it. It doesn't mean you're playing well. It just means that they've done their homework, have sat off you, and, and said, well, "Go on then." Like all you're going to do is is run out of ideas and give us three or four chances to win this game. And we've seen it time and time again. We saw it at Crew at home. We saw it at Crawley away. You know, I thought Crawley was bad. This was worse. Like it, it, it's it just happens time and time and time again. And and you're guaranteed there's two or three defensive cock ups where we try and pass the ball ten yards and fail. We'll give them two or three chances. We won't defend a set piece properly, whatever it might be. And on top of that, we'll 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 have lots of box entries, which are basically just pass from left to right for ninety seconds, get bored, and cross it to no one. And that, that is, rinse and repeat, it's insanity. The only real chance that we had in those opening exchanges was Fraser Blake Tracy having a having a header saved spectacularly by uh, by O'Hara, who would get man of the match for not doing much other than not conceding. Yeah, it was. Uh, you'd be fuming if it went in, wouldn't, wouldn't you? Um, you know, back back to the, back to the conversation we had on 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 uh, Friday morning with regards to with regards to Brynn at Northampton. I think O'Hara's made. He's made one great save second half from Shade just before Shade got taken off. 
Um, but you know, the, the the first half, as you said, I mean, you, you force the keeper into one comfortable save. That's it. That that that's it. And and we we go in at half time, sort of scratching our heads, thinking, how on earth are we losing to this lot? But maybe we've got to stop thinking. I mean, I'm I'm really guilty of this, Rich. I, I've said on I've said both on the pod and and privately to you many times. The one thing that drives me mad about football at this level is losing to really, really poor teams. But at some point, maybe you've just got to look in the mirror and figure out that you yourself are a poor team. Um, and and that, that was a sort of where I've got to, particularly yesterday. But but yesterday, on top of Crew at home, on top of Crawley, um, on top of Walsall, I, I think we've just got to... I think we've slipped into... Scott Lindsay has certainly slipped into this idea that we're a good side that is unlucky. Um, because we have lots of possession and we make lots of passes and we have lots of box entries, which if anybody can define what a box entry is, please let us know. Um, and 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 the arrogance of saying, well, we're a good team, it's just not falling for us. We're really not a good team. <laughs> we're a team that thinks that they can play a particular way when they actually can't. And we're most effective when we're forced to play in a completely different way. Barrow away, Northampton away, the two wins in the last nine. Our games where we didn't go and dominate the ball, we weren't allowed to 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 have seventy percent possession, and actually we had to basically be a decent defensive unit that was half decent in transition. And when we're forced to be that team, we look okay, but when we're allowed to play our chosen style, we look absolutely dreadful. There, there was a moment in the first half where Swindon gave the ball away a couple of times and then Colchester did the same. And it was one of the rare moments that you could hear the Colchester fans. And I think <laughs> I think Andrew Hawes on, on BBC Radio Wiltshire said, Division 4 is alive and well. And yes, it was. Well, it, it, it felt more like it was dead. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if that's Division 4, you know, like... Jesus, people talk about three up, three down from the conference. Give them twelve up. <laughs> just get rid of half of us, just including us. Just get us gone. Like it, it, it was that. Yeah, it was. But that, but that's what I mean, right? Like, like Colchester showed no intent. They, but and that's fine. They're third from bottom. They're scrapping for everything. We've got to be better than that, surely. Surely, it, it, it was. It was. It was really ugly. It was really ugly. Yeah, and then suddenly Colchester decided. To do something about it, it was it was a two minutes of um, well, what to prove to be game changing chances. So, cultures have their first major effort, and we hear a lot of noise during this game and in the post match about Swindon missing out on a penalty or two. But the first one of the day was a handball by a Swindon player, Romeo Hutton. It's a penalty for me. Uh, Colchester get a corner instead, which is headed out by McDonald uh, for a second corner in quick succession, and then. Well, they score, don't they? Luke Hannett rising above everyone else with that sort of hopeful flick technique usually reserved for defending centre-forwards who score own goals. It was, it didn't even feel inevitable. It, it was just, they had a minute and a half and then suddenly they were 1-0 up. Yeah, I think on the penalty, I think you're right, Rich. I think bizarrely the linesman's given it as, as, as the ball going out before the contact, maybe. I think it's after. So the ball sure. does go out after the handball. And so he's so he's actually ruled it as not handball. Exactly, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, for, look, for me, I think, um, and I'm sure we'll come on to the tug on uh, Hepburn Murphy in the second half. I, I, I think 
anybody complaining about <clears throat> the referee yesterday. I think it's a bit of a red herring. I think he was quite consistent in basically not giving much to eat to either side. Um, and, and Colchester had two penalty shouts in the same way we did, and I think all of them are equally strong, probably. The, the actual goal, you've got a A lot of this just boils down again to leadership and quality and character, um, desire to win the first contact. It, it, it's it's when he first uh, when that when the lad who took the corner first first sort of struck the ball, I thought he he scuffed that. That's just an easy easy clearance. But it turns out it was it was it was by by either luck or judgment. It was the the perfect ball to just clear Johnny Williams on the front post. And then you've got five foot nothing Luke Hannon winning 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 the ball, and it's just. It's just so frustrating. It's a really lucky goal. He, you know, there, there's very little ability involved in that. It's win the first header and flick it on and see what happens, and it loops in. But it's almost a microcosm of of what we're up against here in terms of, for whatever reason, there that there is just a a distinct lack of anything, anything in that in that performance. And it, trust me, it was quite enough to hear the players. And you, there was there was nothing. There was nothing being said. And then what you what you hope for as a fan at that point, you think, okay, well, we've had a lot of the ball for the first half hour. They've gone up and scored, which I'm sure Northampton fans were saying a few days ago. <laughs> um, it was a complete vice versa situation for us. And then you think, okay, well, this is going to kick us up the backside, and we're going to start sort of putting pressure on one of the worst teams in the division, and it simply didn't happen. It was it was actually the reverse, Rich, wasn't yeah. it? You know, I, it almost sort of galvanised Colchester, and, and a it gives them something to hold on to, and and b it gives them some belief that actually a tiny, tiny bit of pressure in this lot crack, absolutely, and they could have been out of sight. They could have been out of sight by half time, and they certainly could have been out of sight by by the hour mark. We'll come on to man of the matches later, and um, you know, I saw in, in many of the contributions that Sol Brim was getting getting. Uh, um, so, some some mentions again for making a couple of saves in the second half, but ge- genuinely he's he's had to do more than he's had to do more than O'Hara really, um, and yeah, Col- Col- it sort of galvanised Colchester, and we, as you said, we just sort of collapsed to their level. There was that very very sort of very funny period interchange that you that you mentioned, you know, thirty seconds of both teams just basically giving the ball away, <laughs> but. You know that that was just the peak, but it wasn't inconsistent with the rest of the like that. You know the closing fifteen minutes of that first half. It was it, there was nothing. It, we had we didn't have a single chance in that period. We didn't respond. We didn't up the tempo. We did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Second half really doesn't get any better for Swindon, and and this is where you yourself were like any other day, and I'm going home. This is not going anywhere. And yeah, hundred percent, Rich, hundred percent. If look, if I'm if I'm not if I'm not having this chat and and um, you know trying to trying to draw some sort of conclusion from that ninety minutes, I'm I'm I'm. Do you know the point that I would walk in that in that game? The point that I've realised he's taken off our only centre forward. Yeah, and I think you know, all joking aside, and people leave early from games. That's their right. I've got no no issue with that. It's not something I do, but it's just maybe one day it will. But the fact that you you, you said it and you explained, and everything that happened after was exactly what you said. You know, it, it, and that's the problem with Swindon at the moment. You know, we you can you can go to a Swindon game 
and know it's not going to change if it's not going our way. And not because oh, we're, we're being negative. It's that we just don't force the issue. Well, no, I mean, it, it, nothing in that second half was unpredictable, was it? No. Nothing in that second half would you sit there and go, wow, this, isn't, this hasn't played out the way I thought it was going to. <laughs> um, you know, this, this is an upturn for the books. But the, 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 the one thing over anything from yesterday that I cannot get my head around is the logic in taking off Luke Jeffcott. And that's fitness. It's, it, but, but, but he said it isn't. Yeah. He has said it isn't in post-match. He said he had a knock, but he definitely could have continued. I just felt like we needed more energy. What does that even mean? Like, how can you... You, you wonder why, why Jeff got sort of trotted around the first half, giving very little. Like, what, what was it? What is it? I'd love to sort of be a fly on the wall when when these players sort of have their one-to-ones with, with, with Scott Lindsay and the coaching team. Like, what is expected of Jeff Cott? What, what was he meant to do that first half? What was his role in the team? And I've seen him get some pelters, you know. I've seen him, I've seen him on, on, on social and, and some of the, con- the listener contributors, you know, saying that he, he's useless and he's this and he's that. And he, the poor fella, like, what is, it, what is he meant to be doing? What's what genuinely? What what is what is his chance? What is his hope of having a positive impact on the game in 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 that in that setup? It, it makes no sense. No, I completely agree. To then one v one, you know, like for like with with not even our other striker on the bench and Jacob Wakeley, Russian Hepburn Murphy, as we spoke about the other day, I'm sort of fifty fifty on him at the moment. He's not done much to convince me. The one thing I do know is that he's not a centre forward. Yeah, Hepburn Murphy feels like a 2023-24 player, but we said that last season about Ricky Agua and he's disappeared seemingly, which is which is a great shame. Um and I completely agree about Jeff Cott. I was I'm I am a Jeff Cott fan, continue to be, but you know, a lot of people in the not in the listeners' contributions, but a lot of people on social media yesterday was simply saying Austin scores in these games. And there's only one moment really where I think Austin does something potentially more positive and that's the Wakeling header which is still an okay header you know it's not it's not terrible it just could could have got it closer to the the post but that's the only chance that Austin would have potentially done differently and I think other days Wakeling scores that too 100 percent, 100 percent. and this this idea that Austin comes in and changes his team is absolutely fanciful um, like you said, I, I was going to go on to make exactly the same point. The only the only chance that we had where you think that is a genuine chance, it's not the ball just dropping that pure ch- pure fluke, that is a genuine chance we've created that Charlie Austin, if there's, uh, you know, if he's anywhere close to being the player that he was last time he was here, he would tuck that away. But, and it, well, let's 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 be sensible. He would have a higher chance of tucking that away than, 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 make, than Jacob Wakeley. Even then, like you said, it was an all right header and a, and a relatively good save from from the keeper. So, yeah, I, I really feel for Jeff Cott. And if, honestly, if I was him, unless there's other reasons he wants to be in Swindon, and, and we know that he's a local boy and all that, but if I was him, I, I would be getting out of here as quickly as possible. Especially when you consider who we uh, who we think was in for him in 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 the summer before he chose us. Yeah, he could be getting a. Division winners medal. Um. Exactly, exactly. He could, you know, he could, he could be winning the League Two title in four months, um, and and genuinely, and and signing on a permanent for for a team very much on the up with a with a young 
a young manager going into League One. You know, I, I know where I'd rather be, and it certainly isn't playing for Scott Lindsay at the minute. Yeah, and if Wakeland scores that header, it's one-one, and if it finishes one-one, that's still not acceptable. Let's not pretend that only a loss was a bad thing. If we came back from that game with a draw. Still not good enough. Yeah, I think. Um, well, we spoke sort of eight, eighty-five minutes in, didn't we? Where where you said you know you, know, you made the joke that the inevitable equaliser is gonna gonna confuse a lot of people and and sort of almost rob us of the narrative. And I actually don't think it would have. <laughs> I don't think no, it would no, have at all. No. Um, you know, if we did manage to smuggle anything out of that game, it would have been, like I said, it would have been it would have been uh, two poor teams both nicking a goal, and that, that, that that's pretty much it. I think. Um, you know, it's not like the the best team lost. It's not we were super unlucky. We were just really, really, really poor. It it, it really is as simple as that. Um, and you know, I suppose there's not really much more to say. Second half, really, Rich is there? Like you know, moving on to moving on to to Lindsay's post match. The 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 excuses are just they're just. Oh, let me read out some of the let me read out some of the sound bites so uh, you can add any that I've missed out. So Scott Lindsay said post match we were slow and ponderous in the opening encounters. <laughs> we gave them a leg up sort of thing. We found it hard all afternoon. We huffed and we puffed and we couldn't break them down. But equally, they had a lot of chances as well. Really disappointing possession. When asked about being largely dominant, uh, it is what it is. I think. We got to start the game better in the opening encounters, slow and ponderous sort of thing that you can change at halftime potentially. Um, this is a game we should have won and attacked more aggressively. We didn't deal with the straight ball down the middle, and they slunk two corners in. And after that, we scored. Um, he'd like to see the penalty appeals, but it won't be the first or last time this will happen. We wanted to perform, uh, win, and go on the break with maximum points from two difficult away games, forgetting the terrible loss at home to Walsall too. So that's that's what he said to Swindon's media. What was said on BBC Radio Wiltshire from from memory? Uh, I'm assuming it was the same interview, right? Um, his his crutch at the moment seems to be we've got a young and in, inexperienced squad. Yeah. That seems to be his um, his current crutch. Now, now Rich, um, Leighton Orient are basically seven wins away from promotion. <laughs> Um, now, what happens if you compare their average age of squad to ours? Not a lot. It's exactly the same. Ow. It's, it's, it, this is a complete, it's a complete, I want to say red herring. It's a, just a lie. Just, at this point, it is a lie that, that this squad is too inexperienced to, to, to compete. You go through that 11 yesterday and the bench, and there is more, there is um, more, I've not counted the numbers, right? I'm guessing here. There is a, there is more experience in that side and more depth in that side than we had last year. This is not about inexperience. It's not. Even if it was, how did those players end up at this club? They didn't just magically appear. It was it, it was deliberate. So you can't you can't have a transfer strategy and then blame that transfer strategy for failing you when you're trying to achieve something that you your stated aim was to go up. And now you're saying the well, the plan to go up didn't work, but I'm not taking responsibility for it. It's just we can't go up because we we have too many young players. Yeah, but you signed the young players, so either he's and and my instinct is he is basically saying, hey, it's nothing to do with me, guys. 
I'm just trying to do the best I can with this, what I've been given. You've got to remember that I'm not making the signings. And also, it's it's something that a good head coach, a good manager, will use that narrative across the season, win, lose or draw. So in every presser, you sort of downplay behind the scenes, super confident, saying that we've got a young squad, we're doing everything we can, we're going to really, really give it a go. We win a game, well, we've got a young squad and we've done really well today, but it only gets wheeled out during those seven losses. And then when we win games, it's aren't we great together? It's all about togetherness and and all that stuff. Everyone around us is, is in similar situations. Of course, it's the nature of League Two football now, isn't it? Is that you, the, you know, everybody's on one-year deals. This other thing of we signed twenty-one players in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Everyone at this level is on one-year deals. Every squad is is a new squad. That that's just the way football is at this level now. If you, you know, you're, he, I don't know whether you also noticed, Rich, that he's um, he's started to say playoffs or thereabouts. Yeah, which basically translates to a top ten finish. So the stated aim of promotion has been diluted to top 10 finish. We have a squad full of um, young players who we're more interested in developing them than we are winning games. And that is, that's a direct quote. Well, not a direct quote, but that's a, that's a summation of some direct quotes from, from um, Dimakaley. At, at what point do we, you know, at what point do, do the fans sort of step back and understand that in this current setup, we're just stooges. We're just we're just cash cows. Um, you know the the support that this side is getting is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Over ten thousand on Boxing Day was a brilliant turnout. Fifteen hundred Northampton on a Thursday night, freezing cold over Christmas, amazing. I think I haven't seen an official number yesterday, but it felt probably four or five hundred on New Year's Day with no trains. I think it was five hundred. Yeah. yeah, I mean you know, that that that's that's brilliant support and. We're now at the point where we have a technical director who says winning games isn't the most important thing. We have a manager who says our our goal and our ambition now is in and around the playoffs, and we don't and, and we can't expect consistency or to be competitive at the top end of the division because we've signed too many young players. Okay, well that's fine, but stop selling half season tickets then. Stop stop pumping, you know three tweets a day getting people to come and spend money at the club it's it's there's a complete misalignment here and I, Andrew Hawes made a made a cracking point yesterday on on the way home that I was listening to there is definitely a inconsistency between Clem signing Charlie Austin and Sandro and Scott saying developing players is more important young players not immediate success we're going to be inconsistent. You don't sign Charlie Austin for development purposes, do you? Or a, or a maybe playoff push. And Charlie Austin doesn't sign yeah. for that, surely not for six months. No, of course he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. So if you're if you're if you're Charlie listening to that ahead of your debut, what are you thinking? Like, hang on, I thought I was. I thought we were having a proper go here. Yeah, I didn't think we were um, aiming for a top ten finish and and sell Romeo Hutton for fifteen percent tra- uh, profit. Which is ultimately what, what what the manager and the technical director are aiming to do. The, 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 that inconsistency is really worrying. Really, really worrying. We'll, we'll stick on on that inconsistency because it is it is a big talking point of the last week. Now we recorded the Charlie Austin return episode just after Sky Sports News ruined it for the club, and 
it's a moment to be excited and it's and should be something that we get excited about as fans but there were some worrying quotes that emerged in Charlie Austin's press conference a few days later where he essentially says this was all Clem Mulfooney if Clem Mulfooney doesn't do this deal then it doesn't happen and that's a massive red flag. I don't know if that I'm not a football industry person, Terry. I don't know if that's really nature of the beast. But to come out publicly and say that when we have a technical director who is responsible for negotiation and signing of players, that's a red flag for me. And also the lack of communication with Scott Lindsay and also Scott Lindsay's complete reluctance and lack of desire to want to talk about Charlie Austin. Something ain't right behind the scenes. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a spit now, isn't there? I, I think, and, and on one hand you've got Clem and Charlie, and on other, on the other hand you've got Scott Lindsay and Sandro Di Michele, who probably don't even you know. I'm I'm very very much guessing now, <laughs> but I'd imagine they I'm, I'd imagine there's not you know there's not perfect harmony between the two of them either. But it's just very. I mean, I, I thought the most telling quote in in Charlie's um, unveiling interview was when he said. <laughs> I've not spoke to Scott Lindsay yet, but I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> and and even in the even in the montage that they did, the better late than never, you have Scott Lindsay and Charlie Austin talking. But if I've got a, again, I'm no expert, but if I have a somebody who's studied body language for all their career, I'm guessing the body language between the two wasn't red hot either. No, it's it's gonna be fascinating to watch now, isn't it? I I really it's sad. I don't want you know this this side of this club at the moment under particularly under Scott Lindsay is really hurting my head, and it's hurting my soul. I really don't want the next two weeks to be some sort of weird soap opera with two two factions of the club saying completely different things. I, all I want for it is for us to be competitive, and 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 competitive at League Two level is not too much to ask for. Yeah, it, it can't be. It can't be too much for us to ask for. But we're, it's just, it's just. There's no joy. There's no joy in this team. A little bit of space for Frank McAvenny. Away from Parker. Not from Bruce, though. Nyholt with a shot. Took a deflection. It's in. Luke Nyholt has equalised for Swindon Town. And bottom of the table they may be, but they are made of stern stuff. Thank you to everyone who sent contributions in for this game and a happy new year to all of you. I won't be able to read through all of them, but let's go through as many as possible, starting with Paul Temple saying that, well, that was pathetic. 68% possession, 50 crosses, mostly to no one, just no idea how to pass through and create against an experienced League 2 defence. If we can't beat teams like this, then it's mid-table, even with Charlie. Sorry, Scott, you have failed so far. How much more? Man of the match, FBT. Rob Dinsey says, Colchester dreadful, Swindon worse. 30 games played this season. We've won consecutive games once and scored more than one goal just six times. It's not good enough, is it? Pete Marsh says, man of the match, FBT, bring close. Thanks and farewell, FBT. Burton, crazy not to recall him. Deja vu all over again. Was I watching the same replay since Ginningham away? Can see Austin having issues with the coaching staff, especially with Clem having done the recruitment. 
STFC slash 1969 says, who would have guessed the same tactic and formation used against an attacking team wouldn't work against a team that sits in and wants to counter? Colchester had a field day first half. Some awful performances in there today. Sadly, Bryn, man of the match. PJ, yuck. The inconsistency is becoming a real issue. The boos at the end are getting louder and patience seems to be wearing thin. Glad I don't have to watch it for two weeks after that. Paul D says, leaving aside the failure to capitalise on a good win again and the baffling inconsistency when we have these subpar performances, it's just bloody terrible to watch. It's supposed to be fun, starting to feel more and more of a chore. Jimmy Legg says, two weeks until the next game, plenty of time for the new manager to bed himself in. Time for Lindsay to go. Paul Merriman says, awful. Why can't we ever do anything in the final third? It's been proven over and over again. This formation does not work. I was prepared to give Lindsay the benefit of the doubt because I like him and I want him to succeed. But now I just have doubt. It was incredibly frustrating. Martin Crook says, if there is one thing you could predict after Northampton was this result. It's so frustrating. I struggle with such variances in team and player performances is it training leadership management jb says the need for change is obvious and aren't just necessary but vital time to sack lindsay and bring in a young head coach like liam manning fits the garner mold a big couple of weeks ahead andy says i and the players seem clueless about the game plan 4-3-3 is not a game plan crap goal to concede crappily passed in front of them and occasionally crappily crossed to a solitary player in the middle as bernie man said northampton win glossed over the inherent failings craig clark says another embarrassingly bad performance time to go Lindsay. our style is stagnant slow and all too often sloppy we never look like scoring man of the match brin and he even had a dodgy first half Hank, SL has to go. No consistency with awful tactics. If it wasn't for Sol, we would have been much lower in the league. We can have the ball all we want, but we have to shoot to score. Even with Charlie Austin, we won't make a difference if we can't get the ball to him. Adair says, Lindsay needs to do the honourable thing and resign. He's clearly out of his depth. There is zero guile in our attack. A local park team could get a clean sheet against that lot. The two wide fullbacks are the only outlet and their crossing is usually poor. A change is needed. Ben Nichols, sack him. Seen this too many times. Stephen Watt says, story of season appears to be Lindsay being under pressure. Gets a good win to alleviate it and then followed by an awful loss to start the process all over again. Fools rush in, says Bryn. Second half is the only player worthy of a positive mention. That was rotten. Absolutely atrocious. I'm trying to avoid overly harsh terminology. Danielle says, Lindsay out. Don't let the league position mask where we'd be without soul. Matt says, there's something not right. Northampton was pure hard work and effort, but tactically they smashed us. Scott Lindsay was aware of their dead ball specialism, yet we gave away everything. No change today. Plymouth fans warned us of Jeff Cott playing as a lone striker. He is ostensibly playing as a lone striker. Gladwin has the vision of Neo from the Matrix and the pace of a tractor. This system leave too much room around him. 
The shape does not look smart and the team lack options going forward. We offer no threat and I don't see Charlie Austin changing anything in this formation. The expectation is promotion or close. We are nowhere near. Wanted it to work for Scott Lindsay, but his interviews provide no confidence that he has the awareness or answers. I suppose he can be happy knowing that he'd already left Charlton. Rich Harris says, Six in the league seems okay, but the top three all have two games in hand. We seem way behind them, and several teams close behind could also go ahead of us. Yes, there is a lack of quality in the squad, but it feels like someone else in charge could do better. Batch says, Thoughts? Frustrated. What's our attacking plan? Poor quality chances, one or two chances aside. We actually started brightly, then fell apart after their goal. I can't be asked to comment further. Man of the match, I follow, so I didn't have to drive to Colchester. Mr. Good says, I got to the 80th minute and had enough. Went to put the recycling boxes out instead. Tom Jenkins says, a worrying decline in performances. Iandolo, Reed, Williams aren't the same players as last season. Gladwin's early season form has plummeted. Buck stops with the manager, pathetic on the ball today, and brittle at the back again. League position is papering over the cracks. Ben Doyle says, back-to-back wins only once in over half a season in this poor League 2. Confidence completely went after going a goal down. Such a frustrating watch. Terry King just says, depressing, while Hayden provides a picture of the Swindon Town corner flag. Joe Bennett says, don't create chances, don't stretch teams, don't attack with pace. Lack of clear chances is continuing to be the problem. Wide men aren't really wide men, but are too far apart to be an attacking trio in the three up top. Just looked a confused side. Matt Tilly says, how long are the club going to delay the inevitable? Manager not good enough, recruitment not good enough. We now have a two-week period to remove Lindsay and Sandro and try and salvage the season in this window, which I believe we can do. The Mod Fiver 79 says, Lindsay has two weeks to work with the players before the next match now. Austin available too. If he can't beat Grimsby at home, then he has to go. Mark Kirkman says, simply not good enough. Lindsay can't use the young side as an excuse. McDonald, Blake Tracy, Reed, Gladwin, Iandolo and Williams are all very experienced. No flair, purpose or leaders. Austin will help, but will need wide forwards and a midfielder who can drive forward and take players on. Dean Glasgow says, sack him. Two wins in nine, unacceptable in this poor division. Two weeks to sort this mess out. And we'll finish with Bernie Man, who says, in the Cobblers pod, Terry questioned the negative tweets. This game summed up exactly why. This performance was a copy-paste of that game. The difference? being shade shot was well saved and Lavinier's worldie went into row Z. We need better than copy and paste to gain promotion. We are too predictable, too nice and too shot shy. Everyone agrees that anything but promotion is not good enough and bar two games this season, we have not performed well enough. Irrelevant of whether we won the games or not. My negativity is based on 25 games, not one. There we go, some listeners' contributions there. And I think the bipolar nature of this season weirdly makes it worse. You know where you stand in a relegation season, don't you? You're know, you you you're going to lose most weeks and we're doing our best and it's not good enough. But for this one, and I think we heard that with, with the listeners' contributions, is that the fans recognise that promotion is possible. They just don't believe it's with Scott Lindsay and his coaching staff. They believe that somebody else can be brought in and of course that's a dice roll but it's a dice roll worth making as we look who's going down from league one potentially next season who's coming in from the national league potentially next season that now is the time to really take some 
take some gambles. And we're 25 games in now. We're over halfway through and we're seeing nothing that changes from the the one-two, miss a few sort of form where we win a game, lose a game, draw a game, win a game. That's not promotion form. And we will, despite being sixth place now, if we continue in this in this vein, we will suffer the barrow dip that they're experiencing at the moment where they've dropped down to 11th suddenly. And Swindon fans can see that this can be retrieved. I don't think this is a dead season. No, not at all. But it will be if we don't act on it. Correct. Correct. This is uh, the weakest, this is the poorest League 2 I've, I think we've seen since we've been down here, Orient aside. And even that Orient team, you know, there's a reason that they're, they're, swipe, they're, they're sweeping the floor with everybody before them. It's because the rest of the league is so poor. Um, that We should absolutely still be targeting top three. There is no reason why we can't. But, Rich, we, we were saying in September that this side under Scott Lindsay is less than the sum of its parts. And a manager, the whole point of a manager, you know, everyone says, oh, well, what can we do with this squad? Whatever, whatever. The whole point of a manager is to make it greater than the sum of its parts. And currently our setup, the the manager, assistant manager and head coach, for, for whatever reason, are making this side less than the sum of its parts. It, it really is as simple as that. And there is no way that that squad can't compete at the top end of this division. Yeah. And the fact that now, because of the quotes we're seeing, fans with a active interest in Swindon Town beyond just going to games, they can see that there are inconsistencies behind the scenes that are going public now. And that is always the moment to to do something about it if you're Clem or Fing. Yeah, it's the beginning of the end, isn't it? Whether it's this week or next week or in February or in you know the middle of March when we when we mathematically can't make the playoffs or end of season doesn't really matter it's the beginning of the end um so do you want to do you want to change now and and have a a half chance a, a run at this season having just brought charlie austin in for six months or do you want to carry on as we are win one in four finish 14th and then change in the summer i mean and as i, as I keep coming back to that that isn't acceptable for for the 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 upper echelons of the, of the club the owner and it certainly isn't acceptable for for Charlie Austin and and look this is not about Charlie Austin it can't be it, it's about the fans it's about it's about the fans we take Bradford and their weird free season tickets that no one ever actually uses away we are one of if not the best supported club in this division and that doesn't mean that we deserve to win football games. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that support will not last. I've watched home games. I've watched league home games with, with 3,000 fans in the county ground. This will this support and this, this upward swing in, 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 in sentiment will run out. It will if we keep doing what we're doing. No, it, it, it will. It will because... Because that's that's what history shows us. I mean, history also shows proved that going to Colchester isn't one of our strong points. But it, it may not hit the levels of the ITV digital collapse years, which coincided with some of our more miserable times as as fans. But there will be a couple thousand drop off. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. That's that's something that Clem Fooney he acts on 
bums on seats and and revenue and thing and that sort of stuff. You signed a player because of marketing largely if you know those rumors are to be true that the the, the football side of the of, of the club didn't want Charlie Austin but the owner saw saw pound signs and good vibes so vetoed that that sentiment it, it, it could end this this is this is going to be really really interesting to see how it how it plays out because it's the beginning of the end for Scott Lindsay and his staff. Even if we hit the playoffs and don't go up, it's. It, I think it's. It, it must be that divided. Yeah, it's. It's definitely the beginning of the end, Rich. It's definitely the beginning of the end. It and and you know it's. But it's such a weird spot. Spot we're in now. Like you look at the. The the push from the club to get all of the the independent content you know, contributors part you know the wider STFC universe to to you know, come together and, and and push the Grimsby game and, you know, make make great content and encourage people to buy tickets and open the Strand Bank and all of this. It's like, we've won two in nine. Like, who's going? Like, it, it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. Like, I've got absolutely no interest in 13 days, 40, 12 days, whatever it is, in doing another 300-mile round trip. I'm, not, I'm just not doing it. Like, and... There will be people like me who ultimately their patience has run out. And and I said to you post-Crawley that going to watch this side is definition insanity. Every time I come home, my wife says to me, how was it? I said, oh, it was rubbish. I didn't enjoy it. And she goes, why do you keep going? And, and you know, you then get into that point of you don't really understand what, it's, what it is to be a football fan, et cetera, et cetera. And that's all fine. But it's not fun. This is not fun. Yeah. Do you, do you make that trip if Scott Lindsay's dismissed, Ben Gladwin's caretaker manager, and Charlie Austin's making his debut? I mean, I'm not making that trip because I'm due to have a child that week. So I, I'm <laughs> probably being a bit mischievous in terms of in terms of why I'm not going. But um, I would certainly be more tempted to find a way just just out out of out of curiosity more than anything else. Um, well, well, how do you see this play out, Rich? And you, you ask a lot of questions on this pod, and and yet your opinion is is very um, is very valued. So, what, what what do you think happens from here now? Until Clemmelfuni makes a decision, we just amble on, and I don't know what he's waiting for. I don't know if the if I don't know what he's waiting for. Sounds really harsh, doesn't it? It, it just. I now am firmly of the opinion that the the position in the league is is that red herring that we've mentioned a few times now. I feel like we have the tools to maintain a very, very solid playoff push with a view of getting that third position. We're only five points adrift of third or something like that at the moment. So I do believe that you can dismiss a head coach um, in this position if they've got somebody lined up, but can we trust the club to do it? I usually finish my sentence there. I believe it's worth the dice roll now. I do. And a lot of that is down to those quotes between Scott Lindsay and the Charlie Austin transfer. As much as I still want to be really, really happy that we can go down memory lane and then best case scenario, he scores a brace against Grimsby. Worst case scenario, we kind of watch him <laughs> slowly work around the the pitch for 90 minutes and go oh my god this is not what we <laughs> what we were expecting that's remains to be seen but 
I I also have fears that the Charlie Austin signing and Scott Lindsay is going to be a big clash too. So I I I just think that for all the goodwill that this signing is is creating, and you didn't even ask me about the Austin signing, I think it's going to hurry things along. I think, I think as much as I didn't ask you about it, and it, it, it is it's all it's all entwined now, isn't it? Yes, the whole narrative is 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 completely webbed together now. The the, the Austin signing, the the mis the the mis the misalignment or the lack of consistency between board and uh, football management hierarchy, the performances, the quotes in in post match interview from from Lindsay, it's all intertwined now. You can't you can't have one without the other. I don't think, and and ultimately, as I said, I think I think. It will it will just continue to rumble on as this as this as the two factions, and there's only going to be one winner in the eyes of the fans, and there's only going to be one winner in the eyes of the owner because he's because he's one of the two factions. So um, if it, if it I don't want to make it simplistic, and I don't want to you know we're 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 very 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 much sort of fueling the rumor mill with very little knowledge here, but if it does boil down to Clem and Charlie versus Scott and Sandro, that's going to be a very short fight, isn't it? Yeah, there's only going to be one winner on that. Hundred percent. Oh dear, oh dear, and that it's got nothing to do with how we perform on the pitch either. This sort of stuff. This is this is what is being said. These are quotes that are out in the public, you know. And the whole Charlie Austin saga started with anti Scott Lindsay and Sandro Noise um, suggesting that there was there was the divide. And the quotes that we've had since from Charlie Austin from Scott Lindsay. Really, just support that. Hundred percent. Yeah, we're not. You know, we're not making this stuff up. Like this is this is all just based on what people are saying. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and 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 whether they want to be saying it or not, I don't know. Whether it's deliberate or not, I don't know. I think Charlie Austin's Charlie Austin is probably the most experienced football person in the whole club, which is an, another concern. Um, you know, Sandro and Sandro Clem and Scott Lindsay have got. I could probably count on one hand the number of years they have experienced they have in in professional football so yeah i mean if if you're going to think any any one party's quotes are thought out and and considered and deliberate it's probably it probably is austin's and then on top of that you know there, there is perhaps a slight lack of um senior knowledge in 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 the in the media game and in in terms of controlling narratives and and, and dictating dictating what is said because there's certainly no one getting hold of that saying look irrelevant of what's going on internally we all have to be singing from the same hymn sheet because that's not happening so it is it really is just you know on top of and look maybe if we win yesterday the conversation is very different it's as we said right at the top it's super optimistic you know we let, let's see what Austin adds and brings to this side maybe maybe we're on the upswing now performances on the pitch fuel the 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 hunt for explanation and the hunt for an alternative and the hunt for some hope and and I think that's all we're doing really. Well, we congratulate Scott Lindsay at the end of the season for taking us up, but until then, <laughs> prove us wrong, um, Swindon Town FC. Man of the match was a toss up according to the contributors between Solbrin and nobody. So Solbrin gets the man of the match from the from the listeners. <laughs> What are you? What are we going with? It's certainly not Sol Brin. I would actually put it down as one of his the worst performances I've seen him put in. Um, <laughs> but actually, I just realised those two phrases that those two 
statements aren't mutually exclusive. It could be the worst version of Sol Brennan, still the best player on the pitch. Yeah, um, which I guess I guess is is what some of the guys are putting out. At the first half, he was um, he was really really bad under the high ball, uh, which was um, unusual for him. Man of the match. This genuinely, and it's been joked about before. I remember under the under a certain Mister Sheridan. This genuinely is who was the least offensive. Um, and honestly, when I boiled it down to to, to that. Romeo Hutton, maybe, like did okay. Got a couple more crosses than he has done in recent weeks, in for better or for worse. Yeah, you know, he was all right. <laughs> Let's give it to him. Tried to we? give away a penalty, but <laughs> he got away with it, and yeah, then they I scored. Think, anyway, I think almost, anyway. you're, it's in these games you almost just sort of revert to the fullbacks because he wasn't at fault for the goal, and yet he wasn't really at fault for any. It can't be anyone in midfield or anyone in across the front line because they were all absolutely useless. In terms of in terms of creating opportunities against a really poor side, it can't be the two centre arse because we've given away a stupid goal. The, re- the goalkeeper was a bit dodged, so it's basically Hutton or Lavinia toss a coin. Yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about Hepburn Murphy's penalty shout. Did you have a good view of it? Yeah, if you're giving that, you're giving so many penalties. It, it's one of those stupid ones where if it's outside the box, and or if it's a centre forward on a defender, he gives it every time. But if it's the defender on the centre forward, he doesn't give it. It's, it's, it's um, so look. I don't think they'd have had, they could have had many complaints if he if he did if he'd given it. But like I said to you, it, the referee was very was sort of quite staunch in the fact that I'm not really going to be playing these games with anybody here in terms of claiming and appealing for everything. I think Johnny Williams got that memo when he decided to fall over untouched three times in the first seven minutes. Um, so yeah, it it was he could have given it, and they wouldn't have had many complaints. But like, but like I said, I think I think Colchester probably had certainly one, if not two, more more valid shouts for a penalty. Yeah, and we're beyond that now at this stage of the season. The same applies to time wasting. It, 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 we would do no different. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, the time wasting conversation is just a complete red herring. I would expect every club to do that, including us. Well, there we go. So Solbrin gets the listeners' man of the match. Romeo Hutton takes our man of the match. Um, neither of them probably want it to be honest. We'll, we'll maybe do another state of play episode at the end of the week because we've got a week off, and we'll see what happens in the meantime. Until then, Terry, thank you very much. Cheers, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.